0: Good morning, church. A little better. Good Good morning. Now, we want to be intentional with that good morning, right? We begin a new sermon series, as Trevor said, called Holy Habits, and our lives are largely a result of the choices that we make day in and day out, and some of the most powerful rituals we can practice actually begin with some very mundane activity. I believe that God wants us to discipline our lives to be intentional, intentional, to love him, intentional to serve him, intentional to glorify God. Now, to be intentional, that's my word for the day. I'll say it a bunch of times. Intentional is not just meant to make you happy. It's meant to make you holy. How many times have we said these words, I intended to make that call. I intended to go visit them. I intended to go to that soccer game or that recital I intended to help. I intended to serve. I intended to sign up. Or I never intended to go that fast. Or I never intended to say that. I never intended to hurt you. You know, there's a big difference between intention and being intentional. Good intentions are not enough. We need to learn how good intentions can become holy intentions. When we align our intentions with biblical truth, with the example of Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see God do great things. We earlier, you sang, the worship team led us, all things are possible when faith is intentional. There's nothing that God can't do, but God has chosen to work through you. And he's calling us to be intentional about our faith. I want to read to you some scripture this morning from Ephesians chapter five. If, you would, if you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Ephesians chapter five. These are great words for us this morning. For once you were darkness. So Paul is writing to believers in God and believers in Jesus. But now in the Lord, you are light. Live as children of light for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord now that is what God has laid on my heart for us to do today try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them for it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, now, when you see therefore in Scripture, you need to underline it because it's getting ready to tell you what you need to do. Therefore, it says, "Sleeper, or awake, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, that verse is especially timely for us where we are in history. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be intentional in understanding what the Lord wants you to do. The Word of God for the people of God... Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Gracious God, we want to understand what you want us to do. Lord, we know that these are trying times, difficult times. But Father God, you have much for us to do to be light into a world that is surrounded by darkness. Give us the strength, give me the words, and give us ears to hear. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Now, let me begin by trying to define intentionality for you. The Oxford Dictionary describes intentionality as the fact of being deliberate, of being purposeful. Now, during this last year and a half, because of COVID, I think we better understand the word intentional, right? We're much more intentional in our hygiene. i probably washed my hands six times already today, because some of you, I love you. Want to shake my hand, right? You know, you just come up and you. And some of you even want to hug me right now. and I'm going like, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe you should want to hug me, right? Uh, but with that said, we, we just gracious people, right? But I have washed my hands and washed my hands. And how many of you, prior to COVID, let's be honest, how many of you ever uh, sanitized your hands after pumping gas, right? Never did, right? You know, I probably should have. You know, you know, but I just never did. Not anymore, right? For the rest of my life, the Lord willing, I will sanitize my hand every time I pump gas because now I'm aware that there might have been somebody before me that might have had some germ or some sickness or some crud that I don't want to get, right? And I don't want them to get the crud that I might have as well. So we've learned the meaning of intentional, certainly from COVID. You know, we're we're not called in life to go through the motions. We're We're not... God didn't expect us to just exist. God has put us on the planet to live intentionally for him and and, and to live intentionally with him and for him. I love these words that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians one thirty one. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. And Ephesians 5 said it this way, figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Now I could close and we can go home, right? Just figure it out, what Christ wants you to do, and do it. Be intentional about it. Don't think about it. Just Don't just think about it, but do it, right? What's that Nike slogan, you know, that used to be, Nike, just do it, right? I mean, they, they got that from Scripture, evidently. They, they plagiarized Paul in Ephesians. Just do it, right? See what it is that Christ wants you to do, and do it. Now, I believe that Jesus was intentional in all that he did. He was intentional. We, we can read about what he said, about what he did, and see how intentional he was. And I believe if we learn from Jesus' intentions, that our good intentions can become holy intentions. So I just want to pick up a few things as I look at Scripture that I believe that Jesus was very intentional about. And again, we could do an hour just on what Jesus did, but I'm going to pick up a few things. Most importantly, I think that Jesus was intentional about doing the will of his heavenly father. He, he wanted to do what God wanted him to do. He wanted to fulfill his purpose. Isn't it amazing that he did everything that God wanted him to do in 33 years? And basically, his ministry began when he was 30, and he got everything done in three years. Now, that, that's mind-boggling to me, because he did a lot in three years. He changed the world in three years. He saved he died on the cross to save the world in three years. He taught incredible sermons in three years. He healed many people in three years. He was about doing the will of his Father. John 4, 34, this is what Jesus said. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. So, why gave Jesus his nourishment was to do the will of his Father. He was nourished by the fact he was doing God's will, his Father's will. Now, I want to become that person where everything that I do is centered on doing the will of God, not just what Jeff wants to do, not just what the world wants me to do, but what does God want me to do? You know, remember when Jesus was 12 years old and he got lost at the temple and his parents came looking for him and he said this, he said, why are you looking for me? Don't you know that I had to be here dealing with the things of my father, being about my father's business? But they had no idea what he was talking about. Now, just a moment of reality that whenever you're doing the will of God, there'll be a lot of people that won't have any idea what you're doing. You know, it won't be the most popular thing, it'll, it'll be confusing. You, you, I mean, you could be on the lake today. Well, not today, it's raining, but you know, you could, you could, you could, you, could, you mean, you volunteer? You serve, I mean, aren't you making a commitment? Doesn't that tie up your weekends? People will have a hard time figuring that out of why you would do that. Now, I always wanna, and I'll say this in my sermon here, but before I miss this, I, I wanna just say thank you to all the people in our church who are intentional about serving God, amen? We could not do what we do here at Mount Hoare without all the people that volunteer to serve and that are intentional about that, who I see them weekend- and week out. How about a shout out to all those people that wear those blue shirts, right? The blue shirts, right? The blue shirts that make children's ministry possible. And they walk around, and I see the same people week in and week out who make a commitment. And I just want to thank them for that. And any of you here this morning, some of them are in the, in the children's area. They can't hear me speak, so you tell them. When you see somebody with a blue shirt, go, thank you for serving, right? Jesus was intentional about doing the will of the Father. Second thing, he was intentional about biblical truth, scriptural truth. Jesus studied, he memorized, and he taught the scriptures. What we can see in scripture from the gospels that Jesus quoted every book of the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And he quoted from eight of God's prophets, but his favorite book that he quoted from was the Psalms. In fact, just before he breathed his last on the cross, he quoted from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was dying for the sins of the world and he's quoting scripture. Anytime Jesus was challenged with a question, he answered with, it is written. It is written in God's word. And in this crazy world of untruth or partial truth or your truth or their truth, I wanna be able to answer people, it is written. This is God's truth. This is how God has designed things for me to do and how to live. Now, he could face any situation he was strengthened and empowered by God's word to face any situation, including crucifixion. If we'll be intentional about learning God's word, we can face any situation. He was intentional about prayer. Jesus made a, a purpose to be alone with his father. He would escape the crush of the crowds, the expectations to spend time in prayer with his father. He made time for prayer. He was intentional about prayer. He was intentional about serving and, and being compassionate, just like we shared a moment ago, all those folks that serve in our church are following the example of Jesus. Jesus was, was intentional in generosity. And what I mean by that, he allowed the power of God to flow freely from him. He didn't keep any back. He let it flow. In fact, one lady touched the hem of his garment and she was healed. Uh, he spoke a word and people were healed. Tremendous miracles happened. He fed 5,000 Men, not counting the women and children, and when they finished eating a meal, they started out with what two fish and or two fish and five loaves, whatever it was, one of those. It was two of something, two and two and three, and you know, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, but five thousand men got fed, and it says that didn't include the women and the children, and they had 12 baskets left over. Why? Because Jesus was generous, and he loved to be generous with the gifts of God. Jesus was intentional about relationships. He had 12 disciples that he spent three years with. Three of them he spent a lot more time with. He was intentional about making disciples and and he was intentional about finishing well. He finished well. In fact, from the cross he said, it is finished. And the scriptures tell us now that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord because Jesus finished well. I want to finish well. I want to be intentional about living my life so I can finish well. Anybody with me on that? I want to finish well. I want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. As I look at those areas where Jesus was intentional, I'm thankful for this. that They align very closely with the core values of our church. That what we are being intentional about at Mount Horeb align with what Jesus was intentional about. We need to look at our lives and go, is my life aligned with the values of Jesus? Now, I believe that Jesus' identity greatly impacted his intentionality. He knew who he was, and he knew whose he was. He was doing what he did for his heavenly father. So I believe that your identity, my identity, impacts my intentionality. When I know who I am, and I know whose I am, it impacts the way I live my life. Again, that word in Ephesians 5, therefore. Because you are children of light, because you are living in God's presence, because he has changed your life, then live like it. Therefore, live like it, work like it, play like it. Too oftentimes we wanna compartmentalize our lives. When I got my work life and I got my play life and I got my home life, and then I got my faith life. That's not what Ephesians says. Faith needs to be in every one of those boxes. We need to have boundaries about our work and boundaries about our home and boundaries about our play, but we don't need to have boundaries about our faith. Our faith needs to be intentional in every area of our life, and that was the example that Jesus gave us. Again, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Make the most of every opportunity. In these days, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What the Lord wants you to do, knowing whose you are, will impact who you are. And today, if you're a children of, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christ follower, it should follow. It should impact every part of your life. I was reading a couple weeks ago about Brother Lawrence. I read his book in seminary, and I hadn't come across that name in a while. But Brother Lawrence lived in a French monastery in the 17th century. He lived in a monastery not as a monk, but as a layperson. He lived among the monks. And while he went to some of the religious services, he largely provided support for the monks. Most of his life in the monastery, he spent peeling potatoes, cooking supper, lunch, breakfast, washing dishes, and repairing broken sandals. Brother Lawrence had a humble spirit. He had a generous spirit, and he wrote a classic called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a great devotional read, short read. Practicing the Presence of God. You know, as we look back in history, we don't remember any of the names of the monks that served in that monastery, but we've got the name of Brother Andrew because he was intentional about practicing the presence of God. Dr. Andrew Spence wrote an article that highlighted some of the lessons that we can learn from Brother Lawrence. I just want to give you three of them. The first is our attitude about our daily activities can shape our character. Our attitude about everything that happens in our day can shape our character. Brother Lawrence integrated his love for God and prayer into all of his daily activities. Everything he did, he practiced the presence of God. Whether it was peeling potatoes, washing clothes, washing dishes, repairing sandals, he was doing it all in the presence of God. Secondly, be intentional about faith impacting your work. Again, Brother Lawrence wrote that peeling potatoes was essential for his spiritual growth even more than attending a prayer service with the monks because he believed that God was just as present in the kitchen as he was in the chapel. And in times again in this church, when we've been out in front doing something, uh, speaking, there have been people perhaps back in the kitchen making preparations for a meal or for, for refreshment or whatever. I believe that God is just as present in that kitchen as he is out here on this stage. And God is just as present in your kitchen, in your home, as he is in this room. Now there's power when God's people come together The power of the Holy Spirit is even sometimes greater. But don't minimize that God is not with you where you are. Brother Andrew Practice that daily. And then thirdly, work should bring glory to God not only be for our gain. That my work brings glory to God. That even the mundane task of life, the drudgery of life can bring glory to God. Remember what Jesus said, those who are faithful in little things will be made faithful in large things in the kingdom to come. The the first shall be last, and the last shall be first, is what Jesus said. I believe when we get into the kingdom of God and when we step into eternity, whenever the rule and reign of God is established, I believe we're going to be serving God, and, and we're going to be serving people, and it's going to be an incredible experience in the kingdom of God in eternity. But also know that those who were behind the scenes, faithfully serving quietly, are going to be front and center. And we're going to be celebrating their presence. All those people in those blue shirts that are back in those rooms taking care of your children, serving God faithfully week in and week out, they'll be up near the front. I believe that. I love I love what uh, John Wesley said about uh, Martin uh, John Calvin, you know, John Calvin was more of a calvinist and it's where the Baptists kind of came from and John Wesley was a Wesleyan and Armenian theologian where the, where the Wesleyan movement, Methodists and other you know, Nazarenes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, came from. And, and one time Wesley's followers uh, asked him, says, says uh, John, do you expect to see John Calvin in heaven? And John Wesley said, no. I don't expect to see John Calvin in heaven. And his followers said, yes, yes. We're going to go hammer on John Calvin's followers. Then Wesley said this. John Calvin is such a great spiritual giant. He'll be so far ahead of me in heaven that I probably won't get a chance to see. See, that's the spirit in which we need. That's practicing the presence of God. That's knowing that God is in everything. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. Now, as we talk about intentionality, we sang a few minutes ago, anything is possible with God if we'll be intentional. Anything is possible with God if we will be intentional. But here's the problem indecisiveness derails our best intentions. Indecisiveness will derail our best intentions. Jesus is speaking in Luke 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, what jumps out at me in that passage is a three-letter word, but. Pastor Brian Rainwater many years ago, tried to get me to preach a sermon at annual conference for the United Methodist Church, a sermon entitled, Everybody's Got a Big Butt. And, and I refused. And, 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 but I've never forgot that prompting from him to do that. And I'm, I'm still not going to preach that sermon. But I, 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 this is t- not in my notes at all. I shared this at 9 o'clock. But it just jumped out at me as I was reading that passage again. But that is what keeps us oftentimes from being intentional about the things of God. But, Lord, I haven't got enough time. But, Lord, I don't know enough. But, Lord, I'm not ready. And and just go on and on. You know, the reality is that we have a lot of buts that keep us from being intentional about the things of God. We have procrastination, right? Procrastination has delayed many of God's blessings, and, and a lot of God's purpose has been fulfilled through you. A refusal to take a chance, a refusal to step out in faith. See all this information without application will not lead to any transformation. If you're sitting here and soaking this up, listening online, and you're not going to use application, it will not lead to any transformation in your life because We gotta become intentional about doing the things of God. I love this reading from Dallas Willard. I'm gonna read it to you slowly because he's such a a brilliant theologian. The the general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time, not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. That's the great human failing is to want what is right Want what is important, but not be willing to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the conditions that we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We will not take the action. We will not be intentional to make the decision. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. C.S. Lewis said it this way, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. It is the gradual excuses. It's the gradual procrastination. It's putting it off for another time. Well, when I retire or whenever I change jobs, or whenever you know, the kids get out of the house, or whenever, you just fill in the blanks, right? God wants you to be intentional right now. Not when, and not if, but now. You know, this statement is so true. We often judge others by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, you know, I intended to do that. I'm gonna to get to that. They did what? Don't be guilty of judging people by their actions, and you only judge yourself by your intentions. Now, let's talk a moment about intentional implementation. Say that fast three times. Intentional implementation, right? Jesus said in Matthew six thirty three, seek the kingdom of God first above all else and live righteously, and he will what? Give you everything you need. You see, we, we think that God can't provide what we need. You know, God... I know you want to, and maybe you can, but i got to do this myself. i got to make it my way. i got to find my own path. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll give you everything you need. You see, I've learned through my life in ministry that we don't have a clue what we need. We think we know what we need, but God truly knows what we need. And if we'll become intentional about living for God, he will give us what we need. He'll meet our needs. Didn't say he'll give you what you want. He, he may even do that, but he will definitely meet your needs. You See, real and deep change will take incremental intentionality. It doesn't happen overnight. To t- change deeply takes time. It takes practice. It takes a plan. It's a journey. I read this study that took place in 2001 in Great Britain, where they worked with 248 people to build better exercise habits, right? Now, if you like me, you need some better exercise habits. We can learn from this. But it was, it was, a, it was a study over two weeks. That's about usually the length of my exercise is about two weeks. Um, but they divided the groups into three. The first group was the control group. And they simply asked that group to track how often they exercise. The second group was the motivation group. They were given motivation to exercise. They, if, you, if you exercise, your heart will be better and you'll be, be less likely to have coronary heart disease. But then the third group, they gave them the same motivation, but they asked him to form a plan, uh, a place. And they had to sign a, an agreement. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of exercise on day, time, and place. You see, I believe that accountability is one of the ways that we become intentional. And in the, in the, when they completed the study, 35 to 38% exercised once a week. But the third group... That had a plan, had a place, and I believe a person, hold them accountable, had a 91% success rate. So I know that a person, a place, and a plan will help us. You know, for years, I labored with the help of the Holy Spirit writing sermons. I mean, sermon writing is what God called me to do, but it it can get a little, the well can get dry sometimes, right? You're praying and you want to write a good sermon and you know, and, and, and I was and I confess to you, there were some Saturday nights that I'm still trying to get the sermon figured out, right? You know, 12 o'clock, burning the midnight oil. You know, you know just, just struggling. Well, the team, our staff kept saying, hey, Pastor Jeff, we need to put together a sermon prep team. No, 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 I got this. No, no, we need a sermon prep team. And so finally I relented and said, okay. And you know what that meant immediately? I had to get better organized. I had to start making a plan because I had people that were gonna be in a place, in a room, that were gonna help me and help us write our sermons and our planning, et cetera. It, it, it radically changed my whole approach to preaching because at Thursday at noon, Lauren, I've gotta get an outline into you, right? And, and, and sometimes, I'm, I got it to you on Wednesday this week. It was like a miracle, right? Uh, but, but I know that there's somebody holding me, a, there's a person counting on me to turn in an outline that can be put into a PowerPoint presentation, et cetera. And, and, and so when I walk into the sermon prep, I usually have a pretty good idea where I'm going in my sermon already. It may not be completely written, but then by Thursday, it's got to be pretty ready to go. And so you know what? You know what's been really fun is Saturdays. You know, Saturdays is like really fun because it's done. You know, for the most part. You know, I may tweak it a little bit. Right? You know, I may tweak it a little bit, Lauren. I may send her an email and go, please, 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 please make a change. But but it changed because we had a we had a, a plan, a place, and persons. You know, I always want to give a shout out to our worship teams, both here in the auditorium and, and the sanctuary. They have a plan. They have a place and they got persons. They come together on Thursdays to practice. They get here in the morning at 6 a.m. and begin to have a full run through at 7 a.m. And this production, people in the booth, there's people behind the camera, it's making this service go out online. These people are intentional because they have a purpose, they have a plan, they have Uh, accountability, et cetera, et cetera. Can we give them a hand again? I just, I really appreciate these people. Thank you, Lauren, for what you do. In in preparing for this this message, I began to read a book by Alan Jackson, not the country uh, music star, but he's really good too. But Alan Jackson is a pastor of the World Outreach Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And he wrote a book called Intentional Faith. And he outlines things that we need to be intentional about in our faith. And he issued a 100-day challenge to his congregation about being intentional. And he said, God rewards simple expressions of intentional faith. So this past Friday morning, I issued a challenge to the men that I meet with to pray with every Friday morning. And someone came out today at 9 and says, hey, is that open to any men? I said, absolutely. So if you're you're one of the men here and you want to be a part of our men's group, 645 a.m. on Friday mornings, uh, come join us. But I issued a challenge, a 100-day challenge, starting on September the 1st, to be intentional in five years. I'm gonna give them to you real quickly. I challenged the men Friday morning, I challenged myself, well, well, over the next 100 days, will you intend to grow? Intend to grow deeper in your physical, in your, in your, in your spiritual life. Because you see, growth doesn't happen accidentally, right? It doesn't happen accidentally. It's gotta be intentional to grow closer to God. So for 100 days, let's be intentional about growing closer to God. You know, I love to grow tomatoes. I'm not very good at growing tomatoes, uh, I get all kinds of help with my tomatoes and I still can't grow tomatoes very good. Uh, I, I get the, the, the soil ready in the little tomato bed I got and I got some inside information on what you're supposed to put in there and I put all that stuff in there, get it ready. And then, then I got a guy in the church here named Henry. Henry, I love Henry. Henry knows that I can't grow tomatoes so he brings the tomato plants to me and he plants them in the ground and he puts all these secret formula on them, you know. And then all I got to do is water them, right? And, and, and take the weeds out and spray them every now and then but I still just can't grow many tomatoes. I mean, it's just like little tiny tomatoes and occasionally I get a big tomato, but I just can't do it. I mean, it, it, if my family depended on my tomatoes, we would not eat many, eat many tomatoes. But Clarence Wise, who's an older member of our church, he can grow tomatoes like crazy. And he brings in bags of them and gives them to the staff. So I'll take them home and i set them on the counter next to my tomatoes and it looks like I did really good, right? And, and, and so Clarence is really good because he's very intentional about growing tomatoes. But then yesterday I called uh, uh, Chris Raw. Some of you know Chris Raw, Clayton Raw Farms, right? I said, Chris, how many tomatoes you grow? I, he said, You got, you got a calculator? <laughs> you know, you know, Chris told me how many tomatoes he grows, and I'm not very good at math, but I was trying to figure it out while he was talking. You know, he ha- he has a plan. He has people around him to grow those tomatoes, and it's amazing. You know, they, they have 25 acres, they got a place, they got a plan, they got people. And they grow over a million pounds of tomatoes every fall. Isn't that amazing? A million pounds of tomatoes that, are, that come out of Lexington, South Carolina to go all over the Southeast to feed people, right? And, and, and that's because they had a plan. They, they got, they got uh, people and they got a place to grow those. So intend to grow. Secondly, I asked the men, will you intend to pray? Intend to pray every day, not just on Friday mornings, just on Sunday mornings, but pray every day. Pray without ceasing. Now, I believe one of the most intentional ministries we have at Mount Horb is my men's prayer group. For 28 years, we've met to pray for the ministries of Mount Horb, and I believe that God has blessed those ministries tremendously. These, these ministries tremendously because of those men praying. I love to tell the story in new members class where when, we, when the men started praying and prayer walking our property, we had seven acres of ground, and now by the grace of God and through the prayers. Intentional prayers of, of our people, we have close, to, we'll we have over 100 acres here. Right in the middle of Lexington, we didn't set out to get 100 acres. We just kept praying. And God kept making things available, and your generosity started making that happen. So God has put us in position. But will you be intentional about praying? Before you get out of bed, will you say a simple prayer, Lord, help me to choose to glorify you today? Help me to glorify you today. When you pull into the parking lot at work or at school, will you say this prayer, Lord, use me to be a light today? Let me be a light in the darkness today. When you pull back into your driveway, will you say, Lord, thank you for my family? And when you lay your head down to sleep, will you say, Lord, help me rest knowing you're still in charge? See, it can be that simple to unlock the power of prayer in your life. Will you intend to read the New Testament, all the New Testament in 100 days? I challenged this Friday morning that we're gonna read the entire New Testament in 100 days. How many of you intend to do that? How many here in the room, if you just raise your hand, how many of you intended to read the Bible all the way through? Come on now. It's one of your goals in life is to read the Bible, right? You want to read the Bible all the way through, right? Well, you can join us. We're going to put out a reading plan. You can email me and and I'll give it to you. You come to men's group on Friday morning, I'll give it to you. Uh, But we're going to read the New Testament all the way through in 100 days. You know, too oftentimes we intend to read the Bible, but we never do until what happens? Until we have a problem. Do we have a crisis, and then we get the Bible out and we start reading it. I want you to read before the crisis. I want you to read before the problem, because then you'll find where to go in the problem, right? We have one of our men's uh, prayer group guys, uh, Jason Wilkie, and five years ago, the Lord laid on Jason Wilkie's heart to start texting scripture verses out to men that he knew. For five years, how many of you in the room here, if you, if you get a, a text from Jason Wilkie, will you raise your hand, man? Everybody, raise a high. I see some of you. Yeah. So every morning, way before I get up, because Jason gets up a lot earlier than I do, he sends out a text. He sends it out to over 200 men, and some of those men send it on to someone else. And Jason, when I was talking to him about it, he says, you know, sometimes I'll get a, a text from someone that says, that verse was exactly what I needed for today. The problem I'm going through right now, that verse hit home. And, and Jason said to me, he says, you know, I, I believe that that verse may be the only Bible somebody reads that day. See, that's being intentional about the Word of God. And then fourth, I said, will you intend to serve? Will you serve somewhere every day? Serve God somewhere every day. Friday afternoon, Friday morning, we did a funeral service for, for Rose Hendricks, 93 years old, wonderful, wonderful patriarch in our church who lived her life for the glory of God, intentionally lived for God. And one of the things I got to share in her story Friday morning was about uh, two people, Jackie Lohr and Nancy Bull. And it turns out, for the last five years, every Wednesday, almost every Wednesday for five years, they went to visit Miss Rose. And they went and just to, to, to greet, greet her, to speak to her, to pray with her. For five years, almost every Wednesday, they didn't miss a Wednesday. And it was a joy to them to do that. Whenever they cleaned out Miss Rose's house, they found boxes and boxes and boxes of cards that the Congregational Care Team has sent her, intentionally looking out for her. See, God is calling you to serve him intentionally. And then last of all, I'm gonna encourage the men to to be generous, just like Jesus. Generosity, you know, the generosity of this church is amazing, I mean, we're making an impact locally and globally in in, in amazing ways. But did you know that only 35% of the active families in our church give? Only 35% of the active families in our church give. What would happen if 50% of our families started making an impact generously? Whether here, locally, globally, wherever. What if it was 50, 70%? You know, Mike Maine, who sat down on the front row here, hey Mike, uh, and his family, sent me a text yesterday about his high school friend, Glenn Beck. Y'all went to school together in Washington State. And, and Glenn Beck, who is the political commentator, some of you may, may know him, but he, God laid on his heart a burden for the Afghan Christians. And so, in 48 hours, he raised over $20 million through his radio listeners to go and rescue people who had converted from Islam to Christianity who now, under the rule of the Taliban, face death. And yesterday, the first plane load of folks left, Christians left under, his, under that, that direction. See, so that's being intentional. That's saying, I'm going to use generosity to change the world. I believe that God is calling all of us to a mission. You know, the intent of this sermon is not to motivate you because motivation is not sustainable. I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to move in you. And when God begins to move in you, it will create momentum that will lead to a life-changing mission. Everyone in this room, no matter how old you are, God has a life-changing mission that he wants you to be a part of. But you've got to be intentional about opening your heart to him. Now, when we do all of this and align with God and are intentional about the things of God, we can become an influencer, an intentional influencer. A few weeks ago, U.S. track star Sidney McLaughlin won the gold in the 400-meter hurdles. Now, a little shameless plug, uh, before she became a professional, she ran for the University of Kentucky. But anyway, but she, she broke... The world record twice in a matter of three weeks and she won the gold medal let me share with you what she said following winning the gold medal maybe you saw it on social media she says let me start off by saying what an honor it is to be able to represent not only my country but also the kingdom of god what i have in christ is far greater than what i have or don't have in my life i pray my journey may may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to god even when it doesn't make sense even when it doesn't seem possible he will make a way out of no way not for my own gratification but for his glory she went on to say i've never seen god fail in my life in anyone's life for that matter just because i may not win every race or receive every one of my harsh desires does not mean god has failed His will is perfect, and He has prepared me for a moment such as this, that I may use the gifts He has given me to point all the attention back to Him. Well, I love that. That's intentionality. That I may use all the gifts He has given me to point the attention back to Him, to live for the glory of God. And she says, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect His perfect will records come and go but the glory of God is eternal records come and go but the glory of God is eternal see all of us are gonna leave here one day all the things that we've done on this earth are gonna come and go but not the glory of God not the the work of God that we do for his glory not the seeds that we sow for God's kingdom they last forever. You see, my friends, we serve an intentional God. He was intentional about loving the world, intentional about saving the world, intentional about changing the world. And he's brought you into his plan. Last November, Sidney McLaughlin also posted this video. This is amazing to me. She posted a video last November of being baptized in the Pacific Ocean. And she says, for 21 years, I was running from the greatest gift I could ever receive. And by his grace, I have now been saved. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My past has made, been made clean by my Lord and Savior. She's only been a believer for one year. And yet God has used her on a world platform to be an influencer because she gave him her life. Give me Jesus. is what Sidney McLaughlin said. Give me Jesus is what Brother Lawrence said. And I pray that someone here today will say, give me Jesus. In the morning, in the noontime, when I come to the end of my life, like Rose Hendrix, give me Jesus. Father God, I pray that right now that there'll be those in the room here who have been living for themselves will give you their life. They will invite Jesus into their heart and they'll become a person who becomes an influencer for your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for all the potential in this room, the unstarted missions, the unstarted ministries, the unstarted efforts that will change the world. Lord, I thank you that you want to change hearts today. For that person who's been living for themselves, may they say those simple words, "Give give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Amen.